This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life comes with a lot of decisions and sometimes it's hard to know which path is right. Therapy gives you a place to map out your options so you can trust your choices and get excited about the future. Visit betterhelp.com super to give it a try. What is the point of Harry Potter? Hey, brother. I may be alone in this particular practice, but after watching a new movie for the first time, occasionally I'll be sitting on my couch, left in a state of wonderment, followed by pulling out my phone, searching what was the point of everything everywhere all at once. Because don't act like it was super obvious. Maybe it was. The rocks, you know? The rocks. Ooh, and also it's about family and finding purpose in life. Dang, that does hit. But it also left me with a bit of a challenge to myself because I've been a fan of the Harry Potter saga since it first came out. I had the Harry Potter themed bedroom, went to the midnight book releases, and it was the first subject of what was arguably my first conversation with my now wife, Alice. And I say arguably because we sat a few seats apart in our business law class back in college and I had a huge crush on her and after weeks worked up the courage to send her a message to say hello. She unfortunately didn't respond, but then seven years later, I commented on a picture of her trying to open a gigantic Andy's door from Toy Story on Instagram. And then she sent me a message on Facebook and we met for a coffee where I told her I was writing a script about Harry Potter for my YouTube channel. And she told me she was planning a Harry Potter party and was going dressed as the golden snitch. Needless to say, it was love at seven years later. How fitting for Harry Potter. Anyway, the point is this story has had a profound impact on my personal life. So I found myself wondering not so much if I could, but how I would personally answer the question, what is the point of Harry Potter. So I guess today we're gonna find out. Okay, so Harry Potter, what's the point? Kind of a big question. Obviously, my personal relationship with the overall story is fairly positive to put it lightly. So keep that in mind as I tackle my first thought. The point of Harry Potter is death. May we all embrace it. That went dark awfully fast, and yet I'm not so sure it truly is. Let me try to explain, because one way or another, death is incredibly central to this story. We literally start the entire story with a chapter titled The Boy Who Lived, which is relevant because it's in stark contrast to the fate of that very boy's own parents who laid down their lives in an effort to protect their son. But the only reason that Lily and James were targeted in the first place is because Harry was the subject of a prophecy. A prophecy that specifically states that the only person capable of vanquishing the greatest threat to all wizards and muggle kind of like Lord Voldemort is this tiny little baby boy. Voldemort knows enough of the prophecy to be aware that someone out there could potentially stand in opposition to him. But rather than give that boy the opportunity to, you know, grow up into a fully trained wizard, he plans to intervene. This is especially vital to Lord Voldemort, who has not only achieved a rather significant amount of power, but has also gone to extraordinary lengths to ensure his own immortality via the creation of Horcruxes, which are capable of anchoring him to life. The key thing, though, is that for all of Voldemort's extraordinary strength and power, what he's actually attempting to escape is his own greatest fear, 
which is death. Voldemort's fear of death is the catalyst for the entire story, and much of the saga will continuously use death symbolically as well. For example, Harry's continued isolation is often in large part due to death. He loses his parents as a baby, Sirius Black steps in as a kind of father figure, providing a sense of comfort and a potential home, and Harry loses him at the Department of Mysteries. Similarly, Dumbledore provides a sense of wisdom, information, and safety, a highly talented wizard who at any point could stand between Harry and danger. And right as Voldemort has returned to peak power, Dumbledore falls no pun intended. Then there is the symbolic loss of Harry's owl Hedwig, which he received as an 11th birthday present and on his first day inside of the wizarding world. Then fast forward nearly six years to just a few days before Harry's 17th birthday, the age that would mark him as an adult in the wizarding world, and Hedwig is lost during the Battle of the Seven Potters, marking Harry's own departure from his childhood, if you will. We also have the loss of Dobby, again a death that is super symbolic as he quite literally dies in Harry's own hands, Presenting all of those lives that are relying on Harry's actions in the continued battle against Voldemort. Then there are the Deathly Hallows themselves, quite literally the symbols of death or potentially death's own creations, the Elder Wand, the Resurrection Stone, and the Invisibility Cloak. Three items that, when joined together, would make the holder the actual master of death. Interestingly, it's worth noting that this is not something that Lord Voldemort ever actually sought himself. This, though, is in large part because Voldemort himself doesn't believe he could even stand to learn anything from a children's book, but more on that point in just a moment. Voldemort, of course, does seek out the Elder Wand, but not because of the fabled power of a Deathly Hallow, but its reputation as the most powerful wand in existence. What's remarkable, though, is that Harry himself himself does eventually join all three Deathly Hallows. He exits the castle and enters the forest under the invisibility cloak. He uses the resurrection stone to bring his lost loved ones to his side and aid him in his quest to face down the supposed wrath of the Elder Wand, which unbeknownst to everyone, he is currently the master of. <laughs> But incredibly, it's not Harry's simultaneous possession or even mastery of these hallows that allows him to resist death in this scene, but instead his willingness and bravery in doing the very thing Lord Voldemort fears the most, accepting his own death. Now, I will say that it is worth pointing out that fearing death is a completely natural and normal sensation for us to have. It's a base primal instinct that helps us keep safe and avoid dangerous situations. The real important thing here, I think, is what it represents for both Voldemort and Harry's deepest desires. Voldemort's key driving force is power, specifically power so that he and he alone would never have to face danger or possible death, but he otherwise cares for and loves no one. Harry, on the exact opposite end, is willing to accept death because of what it means to him to provide a safe and happy existence for all of those he loves. It's compassion and togetherness that gives life meaning. And as per always, Dumbledore says it best. Do not pity the dead, Harry. Pity the living, and above all, those who live without love. Okay, friends, we need to take a brief pause right there to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Uncommon Goods. Wow, so real talk, you guys. Back in 2008, I was rounding off my first semester in college when I made two incredible discoveries in the same day. The first was that you could sell your textbooks back to the school bookstore for cash, which meant that I had money to buy Christmas gifts for my family for the first time ever. And the second was stumbling across uncommon goods. I remember realizing for the first time just how hard it is to find that perfect gift. What is unique? What do they not already have? What would actually be useful? And Uncommon Goods came through in spades for me. It's quite literally jam-packed with incredible options for just about anyone. 
Like for example, do you have a bunch of inside jokes with your bestie? Then scope out their customizable word search throw blanket and toss in all your favorites. Or do you know someone who loves to read? Then check out their book nook reading valet. Like you'll never lose your spot again and it can be personalized. Plus it's got a little spot for dad's readers and a coffee mug. Or shoot, whenever I'm shopping for my niece and nephews, I always want something interactive, but also educational. And Uncommon Goods has a huge selection of STEM oriented toys. Honestly you really can't go wrong. It truly feels like there's just something out there for everyone. And to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash supercarlin. That's uncommongoods.com slash supercarlin for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. But that brings us seamlessly to the next key theme within the Potter saga, which is of course, love. I mentioned just a moment ago that it's Harry's willingness to accept his fate in the forest that allows him to survive his encounter and the Avada Kedavra curse for the second time. However, this is not totally giving the whole story. What Harry's willingness to die allowed for was the curse to attack and destroy the piece of Voldemort's soul that resided within him. The thing that actually keeps him alive is the same thing that first kept Harry alive when Voldemort attacked all those years prior. It's Lily's sacrifice. A sacrifice that Lily is making out of love for her child. And because that sacrificial protection exists in Harry's blood and Voldemort used that blood to return to his physical form in the graveyard of Little Hangleton, Harry is tethered to life in a similar manner to how Horcruxes tether Voldemort to life. Personally, we here at Super Carlin Brothers have always affectionately referred to this as a love crux. But otherwise, love is highly prominent and incredibly important through the series over and over and over again. In fact, Dumbledore even regards it as the key ability that Harry possesses that Voldemort does not. But I haven't got uncommon skill and power, said Harry, before he could stop himself. Yes, you have, said Dumbledore firmly. You have a power that Voldemort has never had. You can, I know, said Harry impatiently, I can love. It was only with difficulty that he stopped himself adding, big deal. Yes, Harry, you can love, said Dumbledore, who looked as though he knew perfectly well what Harry had just refrained from saying, which given everything that has happened to you is a great and remarkable thing. You are still too young to understand how unusual you are, Harry. Fun fact, in the Department of Mysteries, there is one door that is kept permanently locked because the power on the other side is overwhelming. Behind that door, is love. And Harry unwittingly proves his exceptional ability to love over and over and over again. For example, when he looks into the mirror of Erised, it's a deep love for his parents that allows them to appear at his side. When facing the swarm of Dementors, it's Harry seeing his father inside of himself that allows him to create prongs in Patronus form to save his godfather, Sirius Black. And it's Harry's ability to love that ensures a one-way connection between himself and Voldemort. On the one hand, Harry is able to gain valuable insight by entering into Voldemort's mind, but Voldemort himself learns at the Battle of the Department of Mysteries that he's not able to do the same. Because when he tries by possessing Harry's body, he discovers it causes him excruciating pain. Which again is in contrast to Voldemort's own inability to love. And this is represented in some ways even by way of his own birth, which is the product of his mother's use of a love potion to ensnare the muggle Tom Riddle Sr. And then finally, Snape's love for Lily is one of the most unexpected but otherwise massively important factors to quite literally everything. Snape is playing both sides the whole time, but it's this very reason that Dumbledore is willing to trust Snape with such iron-cladedness. 
just totally a word. And now to be fair, the concept that love conquers all isn't maybe entirely unique to this particular story, but it is consistent, prevalent, and vitally important both thematically and to the conclusion of the overall plot. But that leads us to our final key theme of the saga acceptance, the ability to find meaning no matter where you look. It's the last and vital detail that I think this story outlines. Harry has this like unfailing ability to care for others and see the good where others do not, while Voldemort, on the other hand, that which Voldemort does not value, he takes no trouble to comprehend. Of house elves and children's tales, of love, loyalty, innocence, Voldemort knows and understands nothing, nothing. That they all have a power beyond his own, a power beyond the reach of any magic is a truth he he has never grasped. As much as anything else, Harry is able to excel in this regard over and over and over again. He is willing to accept others for exactly who they are, and that acceptance builds trust, and that trust enables others to come to Harry's aid in a way that simply can't be made any other way. I'd like to think of it like this. Voldemort attempts to ensure his existence not by forging friendships or entrusting his comrades, but by taking pieces of his own self and stashing them inside of objects, aka his horcruxes. Harry, on the other hand, has a completely different approach. It's not even a strategy, but simply who he is as a person. Which is to say that Harry sees the good in everyone, whether it's Sirius Black, the outlaw, Dobby, the house elf, Lupin, the werewolf, Hermione, the muggleborn, Hagrid, the half giant, Luna, Neville, the Weasleys. Some may write any of these off for one reason or another, but Harry never does. Voldemort thinks he can't die because he has those seven objects that were so important and valuable that he deemed worthy of standing between him and death. Harry, on the other side, is willing to die because of the loyalty he's shown to these people, the ones he knows will continue his mission in his absence. And Neville is the ultimate example. After Harry is believed dead, he steps forward, unwilling to face defeat or abandon their goals or the loyalty Harry has shown them. Now, of course, Harry isn't actually dead inside of this moment, but even if he was, it wouldn't matter because Harry lives on through these people, through those connections. Harry doesn't have to soar his soul in magical containers. He left a piece of himself in the people he cared for and trusted. The exact sentiment I think is actually listed on Kendra Dumbledore's own gravestone. It reads, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But I personally always found that line to be just a tad cryptic. So instead you might could even say the real Horcruxes are the friends you made along the way. But there you go, guys. I have now covered this story for years on end. It is quite literally my job, and my personal take on the story is that the three key themes and the three meanings of the story are love, acceptance, and death. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, as ever, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you'd like some more Harry Potter action from us, Jay and I have just recently started a podcast where we are doing essentially a page-by-page -page breakdown of the entire series, chapter by chapter. It is a podcast called Through the Gryffindor. If you'd like to check it out, you can see the first three episodes right over here. But otherwise, until next time, bye!